You're listening to the Citrus Church Podcast. Now, here's the message. Uh, so last week, we, we, we talked a little bit about why we are, we are unsure or how to speak about the Holy Spirit, and we talked about some of those challenges. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll continue to talk about the role of the Spirit in the church today and in our lives and what God wants to do in and through you and I. Um, and so as I thought about this this week, I, I thought, about, thought about a time recently where I was uh, in Morocco in Epcot, um, and, and as I was visiting in Morocco in Epcot, um, I, we were looking at a menu on a restaurant, and we were trying to figure out, would this be a good fit for our family? Did they have food that our kids would eat, and, and that kind of thing. So Melanie was reading the menu, and I started talking to, to the guy who was the host for that day, uh, and his name was Fez, and, and what stuck out about him to me was, that you, you know the typical uh, Disney name badge? Uh, and if someone speaks another language, they put a little, uh, a little kind of gold piece underneath that says the language. And, and I said, I'm so amazed by, by your name tag because you have four different languages listed on your name tag. And, and on his name tag, it had uh, Arabic, French, English, and Spanish. And my assumption was, was that he also spoke Berber, but they just didn't have that or you could only have maybe four languages on there at a time. And, and so I told him how, how amazing I thought that was and asked him which one he thought was the hardest to learn. And he said, uh, English, because the, the English I learned is not what you speak in America. <laughs> and he said, but what I love about all these languages and what I love about being able to speak all these languages, he said, I love being able to communicate with people in their own language. He said, when I start talking to someone in their native language, you just see their whole body and their whole spirit and their whole personality just light up. And so we had this conversation back and forth for just a few minutes. Uh, it turns out the restaurant we didn't think would be a great fit just because it was table service and <laughs> little people don't sit at tables for very long. So while the restaurant wasn't a great experience for that night, what was a great experience was, was sitting and talking with Fez and that comment that he made that when you have a conversation with someone in their own language, in their native language, they simply light up and they come alive. And so I thought about that this week as we prepared to look at the scripture for this week. And what we're going to look at this morning in the Bible is a time when the disciples of Jesus, as Courtney mentioned, that, that group of people who had followed with him were unsure of what to do, were, were living in Jerusalem, but were basically hiding. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them and everything radically changes after that. The, the people who they were afterwards were not the people they were before that experience with the Spirit. And so I want to look at a story in the Bible where the Holy Spirit opens up the language. And so I want to begin reading a part of it, uh, but I've asked for some help to finish the second part. So if you'd like to follow along today, we'll begin by looking at uh, the second chapter of the book of Acts. And it goes this way. When Pentecost Day arrived... They were all together in one place. These are the disciples. Suddenly a sound from heaven like the howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. There were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered, and they were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised, and they were amazed. Look, aren't all these people who are speaking Galileans? That's like saying, 
aren't all these people who are speaking like unlearned people from like out in the country? I mean, that's what they're saying here. How, can then, how then can each of us hear them speaking in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pythagorea and Palanthia, Egypt and the regions of Libya, bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own language. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some of them asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered, saying, they're full of new wine. And so to continue the scripture and our story, I've asked uh, two of our regulars to come with us this morning. So uh, Larissa and Leticia are coming up to share the scripture with us in Portuguese and in Spanish. Uh, And the reason I asked them to do this and the reason I thought these were important was because uh, English is what I speak, but one of the other, two of the other primary languages in our community are Portuguese and Spanish. And so I want to hear the mighty works of God declared in this. So, Cretenses y árabes les oímos hablar en nuestras lenguas las maravillas de Dios. Y estaban todos atónitos y perplejos diciéndose unos a otros, ¿qué quiere decir eso? Mas estos bu- otros burlándose decían, están llenos de mosto. Entonces Pedro, poniéndose en pie con los once, alzó a la voz y les habló diciendo, varones judíos y todos los que habitáis en Jerusalén, eso sea notorio y, y oíd mis palabras. Porque estos no están ebrios como vosotros suponéis, pero es la hora de tercera del día. Mas eso es lo dicho por el profeta Joel. Y en los posteros días, dice Dios, derramaré de mi espíritu sobre toda carne, y vuestros hijos y vuestras hijas profetizarán. Vuestros jóvenes verán visiones, y vuestros ancianos soñarán sueños. Y de cierto sobre mis siervos y sobre mis siervas en aquellos días derramaré de mi espíritu y profetizarán. Y daré pro- prodigios arriba en el cielo y señales abajo en, la, abajo en la tierra, sangre y fuego y vapor de humo. El sol se convertirá en tinieblas y la luna en sangre antes que venga el día del Señor, grande y manifiesto. Y todo aquel que invocaré el nombre del Señor será salvo. Cretenses y árabes, todos nós temos ouvido en nuestras propias lenguas falar das grandezas de Dios. Y todos se maravilhavam y estaban suspensos, dizendo unos para los otros, ¿qué queres dizer? Y otros zombando diziam, están cheios de mosto. Pedro, porém, pondo-se em pé com os outros onze, levantou a sua voz e disse-lhes, Homens judeus e todos os que habitais em Jerusalém, seja-vos isto notório e escutai as minhas palavras. Estes homens não estão embriagados, como vós pensais, sendo a terceira hora do dia. Mas isto é o que foi dito pela profeta Joel. E nos últimos dias acontecerá, diz Deus, que o meu Espírito Santo lhe derramarei toda a carne, e os vossos filhos e as vossas filhas profetizarão. Os nossos jovens terão visões e os nossos velhos sonharão sonhos. E também no meu espírito derramarei sobre os meus servos e as minhas servas naqueles dias e profetizarão. E farei aparecer prodígios em cima no céu e sinais embaixo de terra, sangue, fogo e vapor de fumo. O sol se converterá em trevas e a lua em sangue antes de chegar o Senhor no glorioso dia do Senhor. E acontecerá que todo aquele que invocar o meu nome do Senhor será salvo. Are there any other languages spoken this morning that you could not 
maybe I, I won't make you read the whole thing, but if you could give me uh, glory to God or Jesus is Lord. Are there any other languages that someone could offer those in this morning? I won't make you say more than that, I promise. I don't know if anyone had any other languages under their belts. Okay. All right. Uh, they are university students at the University of Rochester. Um, so uh, thank you both for, for leading us in that way this morning. Um, and I hope, at least for some others this morning, that you heard God's mighty work declared in the language that you speak in your heart and in your mind and in your prayers. Because I think when we hear the glory of God declared in that way, it can open us up in powerful ways. And part of what we're doing in the sermon series is we're talking about the Holy Spirit, but we're also talking about some of the ways where we as the church have have gotten the wrong idea or maybe kind of gotten off track about how the Spirit is at work. And so oftentimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, just maybe by a show of hands, how many of you have ever heard before of, of someone speaking in tongues? Does that sound familiar? Okay. Um, and, and maybe if you've heard that, so there's two types of that. So speaking in another language is one way. But when I say that, what I mean is someone who's speaking in tongues and it's not a known language. It's what you might call like a heavenly language. Has anybody ever heard of that before? Okay. So in the life of the church, and most of you raised your hand, so we at least have some idea together. My experience is that when I, when I came to faith uh, just after high school, the church that I got connected with was a Pentecostal church. And I didn't know the difference between any of the churches on that street, and that's where my friends went, and they invited me, so I went. Uh, I learned later that each church has its own unique take. But being a Pentecostal church, one of the things that they talked about were the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the gifts of the Spirit was that you, as a believer, once you accept Jesus as your Lord, the Spirit comes to live in us. All that is true. And when the Spirit comes to live in you, the Spirit will enable you to speak in these kind of heavenly languages. And so when you pray, you might pray out loud. And maybe you've heard others do this. Maybe you're thinking, I have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, but there's this common idea in the church that what happened here in the book of Acts and in other places in the Bible is that these disciples were speaking in these unknown languages, and we see that happen today. And I thought that was really cool. I was a new believer, and I thought, like, well, I speak English, and I did a horrible job kind of learning and retaining Spanish in high school and college, so I wanted a new opportunity. And so what that particular church would do is... Um, Maybe every six weeks or so, they'd invite anybody who uh, would like to experience the gift of the Holy Spirit in them and pray in tongues to come down to the altar and, and to, to pray and to ask God for the gift of the, the Spirit to speak in these, these languages, these heavenly languages. And, and so I remember one Sunday, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this a shot. So I came down, and there was probably 20 people at the altar, and the pastor was saying, just, just stay and pray until, until you receive the gift. And so I'm, I'm staying there, and I'm praying. And as I'm closing my eyes and I'm not paying too much attention, and I sense that we've gone through a couple of songs, and I got the sense that the pastor was trying to kind of like wrap it up, like saying like, okay, well, if anybody, just head back, and when you're done, head back to your seats. And so I did one of these things that you do when you pray and you're not sure, like you peek out of one eye, and I was the only person left at the altar. And like, so the whole church was waiting for me, and I wasn't speaking anything, any language other than what I'd always spoken, which is English. And so I very quickly got up and went back to my seat. And, and that experience and a few others of just being a new believer and a Christian and trying to figure out what these people who I respected were, were trying to tell me to do, quite frankly, it brought a lot of confusion into my life. 
And it caused me to say, like, what am I doing that is not good enough that I can't speak in tongues like my friends and like the pastor and like everybody else at the church who comes to the altar and they can do it and they go back to their seat? Why am I the one who's stuck up here, right? So what it produced for me was a sense of confusion and, and, and unsure of myself, and maybe I was doing something wrong, or maybe God, I don't know, didn't like me or didn't love me. Right? When someone else can do something and we can't, we can feel those kinds of emotions. Uh, so the experience that I also had was that um, I, I've seen that happen a couple times too, and that's not the only time that happened. It, it also happened in the Bible. And there's a passage in 1 Corinthians where Paul reaches out to the Corinthian church, and he tells them, Therefore, those who speak in a tongue should pray and be able to interpret. If I pray in a tongue and my spirit prays, but my mind isn't productive, what should I do? I pray in the spirit. But I'll pray with my mind too. I'll sing a psalm in the spirit, but I'll sing the psalm with my mind too. This is the point here. After all, if you praise God in the spirit, how will people who aren't trained in that language, say amen to your thanksgiving. And what we tend to find with this, or my experience has been kind of coming up in the Pentecostal church and having a great deal of respect for that church and and that community, was it began to seem like the only way to understand this passage and others was that these disciples were speaking in this unknown language. And believers could kind of like rise through the ranks by doing that. Now, what I I want to say is that there are a number of people today, even in the United Methodist Church, uh, who would say that they also pray in tongues, this other heavenly language, and I have a great deal of respect for them and for their spiritual life. And I'd like to think that I've come to the point in my life where I choose not to question what someone else calls a miracle in their life or what someone else calls healing or God's work in their life. I've chosen to reserve my skepticism because I'd rather be able to praise God and celebrate with them rather than to say, like, I don't know, is that right or is that true? Um, so I have a great deal of respect for that, but what I want to do this morning is to look at how the Spirit is talked about in Scripture and give us what I believe God is trying to do in our world today. So I want to look back this morning at uh, the first part of here because one of the things we've talked about before is that when we take Scripture and we kind of read into it our own thoughts, when we maybe just take one verse by itself, we're taking that verse out of context. Uh, And and when verses are taken out of context, they get lonely and they get uh, used incorrectly. And and I had a friend once say that we can take anything out of the Bible and use it to say anything that we want it to. Uh, So verses are happy when they're used in their context because it tells the larger story. So I want to look at the context this morning of this particular verse. Uh, and there's a couple of, of context clues. Uh, and, and, and hey, good news. If you don't know Greek or Hebrew, like you're fine. Uh, you could read this in English and you could see exactly where it's trying to go. So there's a couple things that I want to highlight. When the passage begins, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. Other versions of the Bible would say they began to speak in other tongues. And this is where it starts to get confused. But if you notice, it says, there were pious Jews from every nation. So what we see as we read that is that the author is trying to tell us there were people present from other nations. The next thing, a little further down, is he says that they heard them speaking 
in their native languages, even if it says speaking in their native tongues, hopefully what you see is that there's beginning to be a connection between the author telling us it's important for you to know there's people from all these different countries, and they're hearing God's work spoken in their own languages. So following along a little further, there's this exhaustive list, which I'm always really proud of myself when I say those the right way, by the way. Like, I'm proud of myself this morning. Uh, But the author takes the time to list out every single one of those countries. Why would they take time to list out those countries if the language that the disciples were speaking was only this kind of heavenly language that nobody else really understood? Or could it be that the writer, Luke, decided to list these and to mention there were people from all these other countries because he wanted us to know which languages the disciples would have been speaking that morning. Now, a lot of these civilizations are are lost or we're not exactly sure, but what we do know is that each one of them would have had their own language and their own way of speaking it. And we notice that it's surprising to everybody. Maybe it wouldn't have been surprising if these Galileans were just speaking this heavenly language. What surprised people was this fact that these unlearned people were able to speak fluently in all of these foreign languages. So in my head, this is a good example of when we begin to read passages in a context, we see that the author is trying to show us that what they were hearing that day was the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that God loves us, that he died for us, that he is risen from the dead, spoken in their own language. And as Fez reminded me, when people hear these things in their own language, they light up. And so in my head, it matters more that they were speaking known languages than unknown ones. Because what it's saying to us is what God is doing. So it's telling us on one hand that God's message is for all people to all people. And that God cares that we understand the language that we understand what God is doing and and that God cares enough to speak to us in the way that we think in our head and in our heart. It tells us that uh, the mighty works that God speaks of in the passage that was read was these words. And so what those individuals heard, not in Aramaic that day, not in a language that they didn't understand or couldn't translate. What they heard in their native language was, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I think it matters so much more that God's Spirit empowered these believers to speak in all these other languages because what they were doing was opening up an entirely new population and part of the world to what God had done in Jesus Christ. And Geographically, it's hard to tell because we don't recognize those countries. Uh, But what they were basically doing is saying, is in Jerusalem, they were talking about every single country that was around in the known world in that day. And so what was happening was the disciples were speaking God's truth in native languages. Those who were gathered for that festival on that day would hear it in their native languages. They would then disperse back to every part of the known world, and they could declare in their own language, to their own people, that the God who was of Israel is the God of all people, and that anyone and everyone who would call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I hope you see what I see, which is the fact that that God's Spirit hears us, that God knows how we speak and how we think. And maybe most importantly, the Holy Spirit speaks your language to you.
the Holy Spirit speaks your language to you and empowers you to go out and to share the good news of Jesus in ways that light other people up. So, when we think of the Apostle Paul, who, uh, though he's not the writer of the book of Acts, he will become the central figure of the book of Acts. Uh, We think a lot about the Apostle Paul because he's the one who, after these disciples spoke these languages, he's the one who began traveling throughout the known world to share and to teach and to talk more about who this God was that they were hearing about. And a lot of times, pictures that you and I would see, which are, I mean, artist pictures because, like, they didn't have, like, a photo, like, they didn't have a camera back then, right? We know that. So we have these artist renditions. So Paul usually comes out as a white, old, bearded dude, right? That's usually how we think of Paul. And what I would invite you to do this morning is to, to, if you can, take that picture of this white saint with this beard out of our head for a few minutes, because pretty much all that's wrong, <laughs> and instead replace it with this picture of, and I wish I got a, a photo with him that moment, but I don't think I understood the importance of that moment. I want you to think of the Apostle Paul more like Fez, with the ability that he had to speak multiple languages and to go different places. Fez is living his life, as best I could tell, as a missionary. He's taken the time to learn and cultivate other languages so that he can communicate with people from different cultures. And I don't know if he's a follower of Jesus or not, but I could tell that his life's purpose was helping people feel valued and loved. And he loved doing that in their native language. And so if we can capture a picture of how we are to live as followers of Jesus or what it might mean to be a follower of Jesus, I think it looks a lot more like Fez. And so I'd like to briefly share a few examples of what this looks like. Uh, The first one that comes to mind, uh, and I actually don't know if you guys remember this story, we had a neighbor who moved in, and uh, they moved from Brazil about a year before we had met them. And the husband spoke uh, English also, but the wife was learning English. And so as we were getting to know them, our kids were playing together, and we were doing a lot of things together. Um, And the only way that that they could really communicate, her and my wife, was they would use Google Translate. Uh, So she would write a message uh, and send it to Melanie, and Melanie would use Google Translate, and then she would write a message, translate to Portuguese, and send it to her. Um, and, And for all the kind of struggles that they had with the language, what they were trying to do was to foster a friendship and to grow their friendship together. Um, and so when we, when we launched one of the first Sundays, they, they came to worship, and I don't know if you guys remember this, but we introduced uh, Tamara to you all, and, and what I saw was, was her light up, because she was able to talk with you all in Portuguese, and I just saw her entire demeanor come out, whereas before she would, she would always try to speak to us in English, and you could tell that she, she was having a hard time articulating her thoughts, I saw her speaking as naturally as she always had, and I felt like I saw her completely light up. And so I'm reminded again of the disadvantage that we have as mostly those who who were born and raised in the United States where we tend to speak one language only. And that frustrates me so much that my kids are going to grow up in a system where that's going to be the case for them too because I value the ability for cross-cultural communication because we do light up and we do have those connections. But the other way that I was thinking about this morning was an experience that I had at uh, one point, I, I was in the, the Bahamas for a preaching conference, and I, w- I was helping to lead a small group, which was humorous to me because I don't think of myself as having the capacity to lead a small group of people who want to learn about preaching, but they asked me. <laughs> and uh, 
everybody's a little off balance because the team who was helping to teach had just met each other. So we were standing outside the conference center and we were talking and we were introducing ourselves. And there was a, um, another guy there, his name was Mark. And I introduced myself. I said, hey, I'm Brian. He said, hey, I'm Mark. And, and there wasn't a lot of like connection. And so I'm, I'm trying to get to know this guy. And I said, hey, so uh, where are you from? He said, well, I'm from Virginia. Me too. Which part? He's like, well, I'm from the Hampton Roads area. Me too. Which part? And you could see him kind of like, he said, well, I grew up in Norfolk and I went to Norfolk State University. And I was like, I, I went to Old Dominion University, which are right next door to each other. He's like, no kidding. He's like, well, I did graduate school, my doctorate uh, at Hampton University. I was like, I know Hampton University. I've been there. And so all of a sudden, he and I start talking about the roads that we each know, the, the ways that we've shared life without even knowing each other. And what began as a conversation between two strangers, by the end, is a friendship that through Facebook we've maintained, even though we live in different places, because we were able to communicate about that place where we were. All right, so, so this idea of the Spirit working in us to help make connections with others can happen a lot of ways. Uh, and maybe the, you don't know this, but uh, there's a, a, a group called uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators here on the east side of Orlando. And what the Wycliffe Bible Translators have attempted to do is they are helping to put the Bible into every known language. And so to date, there are 1.5 billion people who still do not have a translation of the Bible in their first language. 1.5 billion people who can't see or hear in their own language the words of God declared to them. Now, Wycliffe has already done 3,350 translated languages. And in my ignorance, I was like, I don't even think there are 3,350 known languages that are spoken it turns out that there are still uh, 6,000 languages in the, sorry, sorry, there are 6,000 languages spoken in the world. And so they still have about 2,000 languages that they are actively working to translate the Bible into. Some of these have less than 1,000 speakers. Some of them have more. Just by maybe uh, someone calling it out, does anybody know what the number one most popular language spoken in the world is? Shout it out. Guesses. Chinese? Okay. Which, which uh, version? Mandarin. Mandarin. Yes, Mandarin Chinese is uh, the most popular language in the world with over a billion speakers. And so what the story of Pentecost tells me is not that when God's Spirit came, it came in this way and it spoke in this way that was undiscernible and confusing and, and confusing to the people around. The Holy Spirit did something powerful in these people so they could speak these languages to the world. And this past week, I found myself in Lakeland. And as I pulled up to a stoplight, I took this picture. Uh, and so it's going to be kind of tough because I was in my car at a stoplight and took a picture. So I don't know how well you can read this. But I saw this restaurant called The Rib House. And in my head, I thought, man, that sounds like a good barbecue joint. Like, I bet I can get some, some really good ribs there. And I bet I get some, like, really good chicken. I might come back there for lunch. And I don't know if you can read it. You probably can't. But it says the rib house, and what it says underneath it is American Thai sushi. American.thai.sushi. And I thought to myself, what kind of restaurant is this? <laughs> right, because in my head, a rib house is a rib house, right? And the descriptors that they use, some of you who do marketing will, will see this. Uh, American is a name for a, a group of people, right? Thai 
is a name for a group of people. Both of those descriptors can also be used to describe American food or Thai food. But sushi is not a descriptor of people, right? Sushi is a descriptor of a type of food. So from a marketing perspective, their things are not lining up. Their their, their brand does not make sense. Their food does not really make a lot of sense. And I'm sitting here at the stoplight. At first I was thinking I found the barbecue place where I want to eat lunch at. And then I'm sitting here thinking, what kind of restaurant is this, right? And, of course, I was preparing the sermon in the background, and I thought to myself, this is a Pentecost restaurant. <laughs> the Spirit of God has fallen on this place in such a way where they can do ribs, they can do American food, they can do sushi, and they can do Thai food. And I thought there was no better description of what it looks like when the Spirit of God comes upon something and does something that is entirely new. And so while I don't know exactly what their menu looks like, what I do know is that uh, your neighborhood and my neighborhood looks a lot more like this, right? Because there are peoples of different cultures living next door to each other. Your work probably looks a lot like the rib house, right? Your home, your apartment, your house may, your family may look as diverse as that. And I believe that in those places we are seeing the Spirit of God at work Because the Spirit takes people who would otherwise be diverse and distant and separate and unites them together. So this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Not to bring uh, confusion, not to uh, work in ways that are mysterious and make some feel left out while some feel included. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring all people together under the power of the Holy Spirit in one way to show to the world that when God's Spirit is at work, people of very diverse backgrounds and experiences can work together and live together and celebrate faith. But also as a way of saying that every person of every culture is valued and loved, and God is desperately working to find ways to let every single person who has and will and will always live on this earth know that they are loved by God. So I hope that as you go out this week, that as you look at your neighborhoods, that as you go home and you see the diversity, that you'll find a way to thank God. Uh, whether your, hopefully, neighborhood looks like the rib house. And in doing so, ask yourself, how can I begin to communicate and engage with people on their own terms so that they too can light up and experience the goodness of God's grace? Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, citruschurch.org. If you found refreshments in this message, share it with a friend. And hey, God loves you.